We're live from the nation's capital and broadcasting from the 6th Annual Health Data Palooza. You're listening to Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and affiliate networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media, where we monitor the innovation impulse from idea to business model and emerging best practices. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show, and joining me in the virtual studio is my colleague and principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, which you'll hear from shortly. For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a subject matter expert with deep roots in the hospital health plan, health, wellness, and prevention space from disease management to population health. Fred is a board member of the Population Health Alliance, past chair, and has most recently served as its executive director, He who now captains the ship at Accountable Health, LLC. And now a few words about our special guest, Jennifer Drago, who serves as the executive vice president for population health at the Arizona-based 501c3 organization known as Sun Health, whose mission is to be the leading advocate of healthy living. Jennifer Drago specializes in developing and launching innovative population health style programs, including the Sun Health Center for Health and Well-Being, Care Transitions Program, Community Education, and Memory Care Navigator. Several of these programs have received national recognition for both quality and innovation. She has worked in healthcare for more than 20 years, including 10 years as an associate administrator for Boswell Memorial and Dell E. Webb Memorial Hospitals, respectively. She's also held the position of Vice President of Planning Services for the former Sun Health Hospital System. Jennifer earned her bachelor's degree in finance, as well as an MBA and master's in health services administration, all from Arizona State University. Drago volunteers for several service organizations, including chairing the board for Northwest Valley Connect, a nonprofit agency working to improve transportation for seniors. With that highlight of an impressive career, Fred, over to you. Help us to get to know this thought leader in the population health space. Thank you, Greg. Hello, Jennifer. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well today. And yourself? Oh, fine. Thank you. Good. Give us, Jennifer, I know I've had the pleasure of spending some time in, at Sun Health, both through the Population Health Alliance uh, Conference, where we received a tours of your facilities. Um, give the audience a sense of Sun Health's mission and breadth of services. You bet. So Sun Health has been um, in the western Phoenix metropolitan market for almost 50 years now, and um, the area that we have always served as a nonprofit health organization includes large retirement communities such as Sun City, Sun City West, Sun City Grand. Um, we have about 100,000 seniors in our immediate area, as well as family populations. But the um, Sun Health as a hospital system, um, when we were a hospital system starting back in 1970, really started to serve the senior populations as Dell Webb Corporation built their very first active retirement community uh, here in Arizona, and that was Sun City. So um, Sun Health's mission really started as a hospital system. Uh, we continued until 2008, and um, our two hospitals were sold to an, 
to a, a chain here um, in seven states, Banner Health, another nonprofit. And so what we continue to do today, now that we're not a hospital system, is um, first and foremost, we have a foundation, and that foundation continues to raise money for the two hospitals that we used to own, as well as a nationally recognized research institute uh, here in the Sun City area. Um, we also raise um, funds to support our community health programs, which is another leg of our three-legged stool. Um, the second leg of our three-legged stool is we have an impressive array of senior living campuses. We own three continuing care retirement community campuses um, in the West Valley and uh, have over 700 residents that call us, you know, their senior living provider and call Sun Health Home. Uh, so we take that responsibility very seriously. And then um, also as part of that senior living continuum, we have uh, two skilled nursing facilities, um, an array of assisted living and memory care services, as well as, of course, the independent living component. And then the third leg of our stool is community health programs. And following the sale of the hospitals, um, our board really decided that they wanted Sun Health to continue to um, serve the mission that they had for, you know, the past 40 years at that time, and that was to help people in our community live healthy. So we started um, a number of programs starting in about January of 2011 that um, really help people to learn about their um, health conditions that they may be facing and then to um, self-manage those uh, conditions in many situations, and then also, you know, providing support to help people manage those with, um, for example, our Memory Care Navigator program that helps people to, um, helps families dealing with a dementia diagnosis to really access services that they may not even know exist, um, and to prepare for later stages of the disease at a time when that preparation is a little bit easier. So that's just an example of the things that we do. So what, yeah, Jennifer, and so these programs, you've, you've moved out then into these community-based population health type approaches um, through the, the division that you oversee. Can you talk a little bit about some of those programs? You mentioned the Memory Care Navigator. I think you've got medication management, uh, the wellness centers, et cetera. Sure. So we have six community health programs all together. Um, the one that's... Um, kind of longstanding is community education and being that we serve um, an area of active retirees they really want to learn all that they can about um, again their health conditions but also how to stay healthy and active and so we provide um, between 70 and 80 different programs every month um, we don't teach all of them we use external speakers and health experts from around the area we also have a number of exercise classes such as yoga and tai chi that are part of that continuum so that is um, one of our community programs. I mentioned the Memory Care Navigator. Um, both community education and the Memory Care Navigator are completely philanthropically supported. So again, that's due to the support of our Sun Health Foundation that we're able to provide those programs. We have a Care Transitions program that is an, a 30-day post-discharge program. Uh, helps patients that are um, discharging from our two partner hospitals, which, by the way, used to be the two hospitals that uh, or the, are the two hospitals we used to own, and we're part of a national Medicare demonstration program where we use uh, registered nurses and licensed practical nurses 
to uh, work with the patients to make sure they have a successful recovery by making sure they understand their health conditions and how to self-manage those health conditions uh, during that recovery period. We have um, a couple of programs that really help people to have their emergency medical information available um, at the time that it would be most needed. And so um, we have a program called Vial of Life and File of Life. And uh, the vial is simply a prescription vial that people have in their home. It's the low-tech way to maintain that emergency medical information. And inside that vial is a two-sided form that holds uh, important information in the event of an emergency, such as their health conditions, their medications, their physicians, their emergency contacts. And then we have a companion device that they can put on their keychain and take with them when they're outside the home. That's a, a flash drive that holds that same emergency medical information, also useful when people travel. Um, again, that program also philanthropically supported through our foundation. Um, the fifth program is our medication management program that you mentioned. And similar to Vial and File, the, the key with this program is really helping people to maintain an up-to-date medication list. Um, we actually have an online profile that is free through sunhealthmeds.org. Anybody can use it, can uh, create their medication profile, including a time schedule of when they take their medications. Um, they can also access that profile through a smartphone app, which is free. That's pretty amazing. And then the nice thing about using that profile online is it's very easy to update medications um, through just creating that profile and then saving it with a username and password. So that's our medication management program. And then finally, we have a Center for Health and Well-Being. We actually now have three, location, three locations of our Centers for Health and Well-Being. And um, the idea of the centers is really to pick up where physicians um, leave off. So someone might get a diagnosis and uh, a treatment plan, which might include medications for their health conditions. And usually as part of that, there's some lifestyle recommendations. Perhaps they need to exercise more, uh, increase their physical activity, they need to lose weight, they need to eat differently than they're eating currently. And folks leave their physician's office with those recommendations, but not a lot of information to help them figure out how to, to make those lifestyle changes. And so at the Center for Health and Well-Being, we have a registered dietitian, uh, a certified diabetic educator, an exercise physiologist who's also a, a certified health and wellness coach. And so we can really take a personalized approach to someone's health and well-being by helping them to make those lifestyle changes, helping them put those plans in place and understand what's really needed given their particular health conditions. Does that help? That's an excellent overview, Jennifer. Yeah, very, very helpful, and it's a, a ton of information. There's a lot going on there, obviously. You put a lot of um, expertise into thinking through the issues from lifestyle to adherence, um, education, and your care transitions program is one that I think a lot of our audience will be interested in. This whole issue of 30-day readmits and you know, the $2.6 billion estimated in cost for that, how did that program start? That's a really good question. So um, in November of 2011, we um, started the program knowing that was about the time when uh, readmissions was becoming a hot topic and hospitals were really trying to figure out what their, what their plan was going to be to deal with readmissions. The penalties weren't yet in place. 
Um, but it was a perfect time where we as an organization coming off the sale of the hospitals and really trying to renew our mission in the community, uh, together with our partner hospitals, it was a, a catalyst uh, to really spur our um, our collaboration uh, to serve the community together. And so um, we did some research on uh, programs that um, were in that readmission space. Of course, there's a number of um, well-thought-of uh, evidence-based programs. We happened to use the Coleman model, which we can talk about more, but there was the Naylor model. There's a couple of hospital-based care transitions models, called, including Project Boost and Project Red. So with our hospital partners, um, but we actually took the lead. We you know, really did our research on, on the models and what would work best for our community. We brought the program out of the ground with foundation funding. It started very small, um, about 10 patients a month when we started. And uh, eventually, as we were able to um, show our outcomes and our expertise, we were able to apply to CMS through the innovation grants um, and become a Medicare demonstration project for care transitions. And that program is called Community Care Transitions Program, CCTP. Um, and so now we've just started our third year uh, under that demonstration project. And the nice thing about that is CMS um, pays us on a per-patient basis to see these patients and, of course, tracks all of our outcomes um, because the thought is Medicare, um, I believe, was really trying to evaluate the program to see if on a long-term basis they wanted to provide some reimbursement for care transitions like programs that help people during that recovery period. And how many patients are you monitoring now? Um, we are we are enrolling about 270 patients per month, and um, you know of course it varies by month. Here in Arizona, um, we do have still have a pretty heavy snowbird population that really escapes the heat, <laughs> and I don't blame them by the way. But um, they leave in about April and come back in about October. Um, so. Uh, of course, our winter months are heavier months, and our summer months are lighter months. Um, but on average, between 250 and 270 per month. And and my understanding is that in the renewal you had with CMS, they increased your uh, caseload. Correct. Yeah, we went from um, 150 enrollees under contract in years one and two to 257. Um, so that was about a 71 percent increase. And while part of it, you know, was reflective of the fact that we had good program outcomes in terms of readmissions, it also reflected CMS's desire that CCTP programs um, have the ability to touch about 30% of the Medicare fee-for-service population in the partner hospitals. So at the 150 mark, we weren't able to get to that 30%. The most we could see was about 16 to 17% of the Medicare beneficiaries at the hospital. And CMS believes that in order to move the needle on all-cause readmissions, um, programs like ours need to touch about 30% of, of the beneficiary population. And are there specific um, focuses on who gets admitted or selected for the program? Yes, and uh, we really focus on patients that have an underlying chronic condition. 
Um, so their admission may be related to a chronic condition, for example, you know, out-of-control diabetes, heart failure, um, COPD, um, or they may have a history of chronic diseases, such as the ones I just mentioned, but there's about 15 of them that we cover, and their hospitalization may have been related to something else. So, for example, a joint replacement, but they have underlying chronic conditions that, you know, during a sedentary period with changes in medications and, you know, that recovery period, it's, it may be more easy for that chronic condition to be exacerbated. So we want to kind of monitor them during that recovery period and make sure everything stays within control. So between the, the patients who, who were high risk and maybe coming back often and those that have conditions that tend to come back more often, those are the ones you are targeting for your uh, enrollment in the program. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, we believe that um, where we can have the most success with our patients is we're um, wanting to teach them around educating them on their chronic disease, which, by the way, it's um, sometimes scary to to understand the true lack of knowledge that patients have about can have about their health conditions. So if they have heart failure, they may have been told a number of things but may not understand in basic layman's terms what's going on with their body um, and likewise may not understand that because their heart doesn't um, function at the same capacity it may have before damage or when they were younger that you know they really have to watch their weight because the body may not be removing the you know the heart pumping may not be able to remove the water and therefore when the water builds up in in the system uh, making it makes the heart harder to beat it, it makes it harder for the heart to beat harder to breathe as well and so we explain kind of those body functions. Our, our registered nurses um, explain in layman's terms what's going on with their body and why certain things are important, why it's important to take their medications, what different pills do for them, why it's important to take their weight or their blood pressure. And then just as important as understanding everything I've just described is we help people, uh, patients to know when is it appropriate to call your physician. Um, you know, sometimes people with COPD or heart failure, they may take a wait-and-see attitude. I'm just going to wait and see if I, my breathing gets a little bit better. I'm going to rest here. And the reality with some of these conditions is without intervention, um, they're not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And so we give patients parameters of when they should call their doctor and assure them their doctor does want to hear from them in those conditions, situations, and uh, almost give them permission at times to, you know, to call their doctor. And I understand that the Coleman model, there are a number of touch points you have. How does that work? So the Coleman model is a, a model focused on um, four pillars of care, and, uh, it, and I'll go through those pillars in just a second, but it also focuses on an initial home visit and then uh, follow-up phone calls uh, weekly after that initial home visit. So we've actually um, taken the program and modified it just a bit in that the initial Coleman model was focused on having well-trained lay health leaders be the health coaches that did the home visits and the follow-up calls. In our model, again, knowing our population as well as we do, um, we thought that it would be more appropriate to have an RN-LPN team 
work with the patients. And so the way it works is uh, when the patient's still in the hospital, that's when we're actually trying to um, um, enroll them in the program. So we make sure that they meet the program criteria. We actually have a liaison in the hospital that goes in and introduces the program um, and, and gains acceptance at the bedside. Then when the patient is discharged from the hospital, we have an LPN that calls them the first day that they go home and um, actually starts the intervention right there. So um, they are doing a couple things with them. They're making sure that if they had new medications prescribed at discharge, that they've had a chance to have those prescriptions filled. And if there's any barriers to getting those prescriptions filled, then they help uh, patients through that. Um, that's one pillar of Coleman, by the way, medications. Um, second is physician uh, visits, physician follow-up. So we make sure that the patient, um, at the time that they're, they've already been discharged from the hospital, do they have their follow-up appointments made? And if not, um, you know, we help them understand the importance of calling right then to get that appointment within. The goal is really for them to see their physician within a seven-day period. Um, that's the second pillar of Coleman. Another pillar of Coleman is understanding red flags or warning signs to look for. So at the time that we're talking to them on the phone, we're, we have not started that chronic disease education yet. So we really focus on the discharge instructions and focus on warning flags related to their admission. Um, but we, make, we review their discharge instructions and red flags with them and tell them when to call their physician even before we get out to see them. That's the third pillar of Coleman. And then the fourth pillar of Coleman is a personal health record, and that um, we um, have interpreted that um, from our, for our program to include a binder of information that we've put together for the patient that includes not only health and education specific to that patient, but it's, there's a place to keep their medication list, to um, keep their advanced directives, to make note of their physician appointments and, and questions that they have for the physician, to make note of their health goals because we really want to talk to them about, you know, how they, what their goal is for their health. And then we have a whole resource section, including a list of urgent care uh, centers in our area. Um, that's really important for reducing readmissions, by the way, when they can't get into their physician if they know there's other available services that might be able to help them with their urgent issue. Um, you know, we provide that information as well. So um, we start, obviously we don't provide the physician or the personal health record during the call, um, but during that first call again, which was in that 24-hour window following discharge, we set the appointment for the nurse to go out, and we want the nurse to be in the home within 48 to 72 hours following the discharge. The RN goes out, and she does a full health assessment of the patient. So we're not there to provide any hands-on care. We're not there to dress wounds, to change dressings, to um, give meds. We're actually there as an education and self-monitoring program. But the one hands-on thing we do at the beginning of the visit, and this is just to make sure the patient is still stable following their discharge, is we do do a health assessment. So they take a set of vital signs, they'll listen to lungs, if they've had a surgery, they'll actually take a look, look at the wound um, and make sure that it's, you know, clean, dry, intact, and that there's no warning signs around, you know, that that would impact their recovery. And then the nurses in the home do a full medication reconciliation. So the beauty of having someone actually go into the home versus over the phone or trying to do this while they're still in the hospital 
is we have the patient bring all their medications to the kitchen table. We have their discharge instructions, so we know what the hospital thought they were on at home, any new meds that they've been prescribed, and then we actually get to see what they were what they were actually taking, what was refilled, and, and uh, you know, are there other over-the-counters? And we help them create uh, an up-to-date medication list, and in the course of doing that, our nurses can identify potential duplications of drugs that were unintended or um, interactions and take action to engage the uh, primary care physician to rectify those issues if and when they're identified. Um, also, it's course of the um, home visit, we do um, a lot of education, again, around the health condition, around self-monitoring. If the patient needs to weigh themselves and doesn't have a scale, we give them a scale. Um, we give them a weight log. We teach them the importance of taking you know, those measurements every day. Um, if they haven't taken their blood pressure, you know, we give them the blood pressure log. If they're a diabetic and really aren't doing um, all of the things that they need to do to self-monitor, we teach them about that and get them on the right, hopefully on the right road to recovery. Um, we reinforce the physician visits. We give the personal binder. Um, and then the last thing that we're able to do in the home, again, another beauty of um, people allowing you into your home is you get to find out a lot more about the patient. So are there financial issues that are challenging this person's um, health care and their recovery? Are there psychosocial issues? Is there a lack of support? Um, is nutrition really an issue? And then based on that information, we've added our own fifth pillar to the Coleman model, and that is we try to refer patients for other community services that they might benefit from um, that relate to some of those challenges that I just spoke of. We even have our own so social taken... worker on... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say we have our own social worker who, for the more challenging cases, can actually go out and meet with the patient separately and help to address some of those issues. Holistic approach to the 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 uh, monitoring and education and and assistance for that individual, trying to look at all of the various factors that might cause a readmission, and then uh, seek to find solutions to each of those problems. Exactly, and that's one thing in healthcare. You know, I've worked in healthcare. You've worked in healthcare for a number of years, and I feel like we're really good at addressing the immediate healthcare condition but we're not always able to take into account all the other factors that surround the individual that impact their health. And again, part of that is um, being able to get into the home in a more relaxed environment when the patients are starting to feel a little bit better and might be more receptive to that input. Um, you know, I think we're able to do that a little bit easier. And then just to follow up your question, the, other, the, the last thing that we do um, to, fu to finish the Coleman model for that patient is following the home visit. We then do three weekly follow-up calls uh, with the client. We focus on the same five pillars, um, and, and we use a common documentation platform so that challenges that the RNs note in the home, the LPNs are able to follow up on during those follow-up calls. Um, so it's um, a very nice program, and we're having fantastic results. Yeah, the results really have been excellent. I've seen some of those. And, and I know, Jennifer, I believe you're looking now at the possibility of expanding this program out into other service areas potentially. If people are interested in learning more or talking to you about that, how might they get in touch with you? Well, the best way is um, email or phone. Um, so phone number is 623-832-5563. 
And my email is Jennifer with two N's dot Drago, D-R-A-G-O, at sunhealth.org. Our website is sunhealth.org as well. So um, we'd love to hear from anybody who's interested in, in working on a program like this. We've reduced readmissions in our program to about 8%, and um, the national average for Medicare readmissions today is about 17.8%, so literally about half of the average, and I think it's just due to some of the extra attention on some of those issues that we talked about today. Fantastic results. That's, that's excellent, Jennifer. Well, I think we're coming up on the end, and I just want to say it's been a pleasure to have you this week on Pop Health Week. We probably should get you back on to talk about some of the other innovative things that Sun Health is doing. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you, Greg. Thank you, Jennifer. And that will have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our guest, Jennifer Drago, for her time and insights today. Do follow her and Sun Health on Twitter via at SunHealthAZ and on the web at sunhealth.org. We do this weekly at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. Join us next week for our special guest, Kave Savavi, MD, JD, the Managing Director for Global Healthcare Business at Accenture. Until then, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Bye.